was my biggest role. It was my biggest role to date. And Mandala was absolutely fabulous in that role. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I am Sheila Amato and you can find me and my wife on Twitter at Forever Fanpod. And I am Kimberly Amato and you can also find us on Instagram with the same handle at Forever Fanpod. We are your hosts and today we have a really great show for you. We are continuing our month of Mandala. And as you heard, we brought her back to talk about the show, the movie, film, all about E. Yes, yes, yes. And as we have mentioned in our prior show, this is the five-year anniversary of the film. So if you haven't seen All About E, the interview does contain significant spoilers. So you can pause us, watch it on Hulu, and then come back here and listen to all the fun stuff that we've totally uncovered about this movie. Yes. So without further ado, here is our interview with Mandala Rose. Hi, Mandala. Hey. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Forever Fangirls podcast. Yay, I'm you? sorry I'm I'm not as dressed up as I was last time, but um I'm still you wearing black. That's okay. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> How is little Harrowhark? Harrowhark is fast asleep. I have not seen her this morning. It's really funny. Some days she wakes up and she's at her door ready to come out. Um and other days she just sleeps in. And today's been one of those days where she, I just haven't heard from her. Oh, but wow. she was up in the middle of the night doing some things. So, ah. See, that sounds like Kimberly when she's up in the middle of the night. Really? How did I get brought in here? <laughs> because I did. <laughs> all right. Well, as, as we've discussed, as we aired our All About E uh, review, this is the second half of the month of Mandala. Woo-hoo. So yay. Thank you for yay. joining us during the little month for you. Um, but we did want to discuss with you All About E since it is the five year anniversary of the film. I can't believe it's been five years. <laughs> right? Time flies when you're having fun. Ooh, and right? COVID. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And something. <laughs> so speaking about All About E, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you came across the script and, you know, how was that audition process like? <laughs> From a it's, non-actor, it's, it's, you know, one of the things that I always am fascinated with. It's so fun to be able to walk down this this uh, pathway again because it has been so uh, five years. But we shot it in two thousand and thirteen, so it's actually been seven years for us. Oh, um, wow. wow! So I remember a friend actually sent me via Facebook um, a message and said, "Oh my gosh, this sounds like you. You should audition for this." And so I read it. I I. I, th- I can't remember if it, was, it wouldn't have been the whole script. It would have just been the character uh, synopsis. Um, and I remember reaching out to the director, Louise Wadley, and was just like, hey, I would love to audition for this. How can I go about doing that? Um, and they were in Sydney and I lived in Adelaide. Adelaide's my hometown, South Australia. They wanted me to be able to send over via video um, – an audition uh, and I was preparing for that and they ended up calling me up and asked if I would actually be willing to come to Sydney that weekend to actually audition in person. Um, Because it was the lead 
And because um, she's a queer character, it was my first queer, it would have been my first queer role. Um, because of everything about this film, I, I just, I needed to do it. And I remember booking my flights, flying down to Sydney. I think it was the next day or follow it very, very close wow. to that day. Um, I even took my flute with me. So I never played the clarinet. I actually played the flute since I was eight years old and I took it into um, high school, did solo performance. I was very, very good. I was the head flautist at school. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was one of those geeks, <laughs> one of those nerds. <laughs> um, so I took my flute with me so that they knew that I was musically um, sound. Um, and it went to the audition, walked in, all this bouncy nerves. Because, of course, auditioning in person is just so much better than auditioning online ever can because you get a sense of that person. You get a sense of, of what they are in their own presence. Right. Um, so walking in with my flute, I played the flute for them, played the scene. I don't remember what the scene was, but the person who I actually auditioned or not, uh, who did was my reader was um, the – Girl who he makes out with in the bath in the bathroom. <laughs> She's who I read against. Who I read against. <laughs> um, and then it was, you know, I ended up flying home pretty soon after that. It was just to go in, come back out, um, and they would let me know within a couple of weeks because they had quite a number of E's to audition. But, like, I think it was a couple of days later or maybe even the next day after I'd gotten home, um, they – Jay and Louise uh, – Jay is the producer and Louise, um, the director, both called me up and offered me the lead role of E!, Wow. And they were just like, we we just, we knew when you came in that you were it, um, that you were E, that, um, and we would just be wasting other people's time. So that was, I remember walking around the house just like, just floating actually, floating around the house. This was my first lead <laughs> role in a feature film as a queer character. It was very, very exciting. Wow. But you were, you were amazing in it and they were right. It yeah. would have wasted other people's time. Do you know there was actually – I was not the first E. There was someone else who was E, um, and unfortunately she had to pull out and couldn't um, continue because they did like a – for crowdfunding because that's how uh, they got the most of the, the money was through crowdfunding. The original E unfortunately had to um, uh, pull out and not continue with that role, so that's why they had to recast – so suddenly as well so this was very lucky you know that that's serendipitous it was Mm -hmm. meant to be yours i mean you know it's that it is that whole thing of uh things happen for a reason it's because Mm -hmm. of all about e that i came to america that i was able to get my visa to to work here so but going going back to the script um there's there's lots of moments that i love throughout the whole film but was there anything specific in the script that like really stood out to you the most my favorite, oh, man, there were so many, like, I have to, I have to say that E was my biggest role. It was my biggest role to date. It was carrying an entire film on my shoulders. It was also making sure that the representation was happening because I'm like queer and in, in the film Lebanese and, uh, I remember having so much anxiety about the weight, the absolute weight that I was carrying on my shoulders for this film because if it didn't if if it if I didn't pull through and have 
the performance that I did, then the film would just fall and fail because, of course, you need that chemistry and you need the belief of your main characters to actually continue with the story. Otherwise, um, and I remember reading the script and because, of course, it's a road film, so we did a lot of traveling, um, being in the cars, being um, like having the camera on the mounted to the the hood of the car to the mm-hmm. side of the car and right. having to drive with this expensive hundred I think it was a hundred and sixty thousand dollar camera um, Alexa attached to the side of a car while we're driving down freeways that we had to like and I just remember Brett and I were just like <laughs> Brett more so um, because Brett actually was the one who had to drive that classic car I never got to drive that which I was pissed I was pissed oh. about I wanted to drive that so much um, I have like I loved every I honestly loved every part that went into making this film I can't think of anything that stuck out like oh I really wanted to shoot that um, I going on our road trip to Trundle that like out into the outback was I love location shoots so much you become a family you get so close to each other you I would listen to this meditation music when things got too much and overwhelming and like there are uh, photos of me just sitting in this open vastness of just wheat fields next to me just sitting cross-legged with flannel listening to meditation tape like there was a a beautiful I think I think my favorite part of it was actually being at that house being at the ranch because there was no one around us there was so much nature there were snakes there were like there were koalas everywhere. There was this blue healer that I became friends with that just lived on the property. Obviously, there was Tiny. Um, and then Tiny that's also Tiny. Her name's Mitty in real life. And she oh, yeah. is the she the owner of the Trundle Hotel, That the whole place where we went out back. She owns Mitty. And it was just like Mitty is now the star of the entire town. It's really great. <laughs> Um, like there's, I got to drive that old school trailer, that, that tractor rather. And I remember, I remember when we were there, um, at the, at that house, um, I would, I mean, I talk very openly about my mental health, uh, and things can get very overwhelming sometimes. And also being on set and having all that, uh, responsibility. Um, and also it was interesting because Louise, the director, her and Jay are an old lesbian couple, older lesbian couple, like in their fifties <laughs> and fifties or sixties. And they have worked on this for years, but they became very motherly, like with me, which was, they reminded me very much of my nuns, actually my foster parents. Aww, yeah. So it was such a wonderful experience to, to, to be able to feel comfortable enough to go to Louise and Jay and just them understand my background as well um, and mm-hmm. know that sometimes I just needed to just um, just need my own space, space, just needed to go yep. away, needed to just – and I remember one time getting so overwhelmed and I just went up to Louise and I just said, can I please take the tractor for a drive? <laughs> <laughs> You know, that was actually one of my questions. How was it driving that tractor? Oh, it was so <laughs> wonderful. I remember the guy, the the old the, the guy who um 
who owns it, he was like, you, you, you sure you got this? And I just jumped up and he's like, this is how you do it. And I'm like, and I just started. And he's like, yep, she's got it. She's fine. She'll be fine. Even the dude with the rifle, the old, like the, I can't remember what they call it. I've said old three times now. Um, the older gentleman who we had to have an armorer on set whenever there's any weaponry um, and mm. with that shotgun, he's like, and this is how you hold it. And I'm like, just holding this <laughs> rifle. <laughs> and he's like, yep, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> and it was me who actually taught Julia how to drive the tractor because she had to also drive it. But um, so yeah. it was me just and her. It was very cute just having a little moment together. To So to answer your question, which was a long time ago, um, <laughs> Every every moment, even the sex scene, like every part of this film is something that will always live in my heart. Like it's it's the most incredible experience. Speaking of the sex scene, you had that intimate scene in the club, right, at the beginning, and then later on with, with Julia, with Julia's character, you know, that was almost where your character was very vulnerable and emotionally invested. I, I actually wanted to know how you approached those scenes because you know, one was very physical, the other one was very emotionally raw, and, and then you're being filmed do, doing that whole thing. You know, how, mm-hmm. how was that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which scene we shot first, whether it was the, the nightclub scene. Um, I do know that was it first? I'm sure that was first. All that stuff was first. God, seven years ago now. I do remember <laughs> that the sex scene was originally meant to be the third day of being in Trundle, um, which is the, the in the outback. But it had to be moved to the first day of being there. And I'll tell you about that one in a moment because, oh, my gosh, that entire experience. Like, I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure that it was uh, hidden from us a couple of times, but – like Zin, I'm sure it could have been more times that this film could have not been made, but th- this film is a little miracle in the fact that it actually was released and did come out because, like, the sex scene itself, we we lost our – so the focus puller, he was chosen specifically because of how good he is at focus pulling, and I think it was specifically for the – he was chosen specifically for the sex scene because Louise wanted a sex scene that is, like, was real and, mm-hmm. like, actual love, like showing the love of two people, not just a gratuitous sex scene of what a right. lot of sex scenes are made for. Um, and she wanted it to be shot in a way that was just truly cinematic and truly beautiful. And our focus puller was chosen for that. On the day that we were going to Trundle, he ended up having to be rushed to hospital because his focus pulling arm was – he. Something was wrong. He couldn't oh, – something no. was wrong, oh, and I can't quite remember what happened. But he had to go to a hospital, and we couldn't shoot with him. So Bam Dad, who was like – he was – I think he was like second AD, third AD. He was second AD. He was there to help with the camera. He ended up having to be promoted <laughs> to focus puller <laughs> wow, on that day. Wow. It was like 
44, 45, uh, about 110 degrees out in the in the outback so it was about 115 in that bedroom we couldn't have the air conditioning turned on because it's too loud for sound um i have a tattoo that goes from the base of my skull right down to my sacrum and uh, it goes straight down my spine but that tattoo is not it's it's like the om mani padme hum with a tree of life in the center and that's just a little potentially grounding is a little too grounding for e Mm -hmm. and so that tattoo had to be completely covered up so we had to spend an hour i think it was an hour and a half or two hours where i'm just laying topless on the ground on my stomach while the makeup artist is working on my back um we only have a certain amount of time to shoot this scene so i think we only had like maybe four hours we had to be completely naked except for (laughs) Except for (laughs) pretty much a muff, a muff cover. So like a Merkin cover. So it was made of like um, elastoplast. So it was nude color and it was just like, (laughs) it was a triangle. So it covers like your pubic area and then it's a long bit that goes up your crack. So it would, (laughs) and, and. It was sticky. So it was like <laughs> Oh my god. That had to so be there's really that. comfortable. So so time crunch, um, that, uh, the tattoo, hundred and fifteen degrees. Bam Dad is now the focus puller. Um, so we've got the bed shot. Obviously you've seen it. You 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 see that shot where it's it, you're actually above us looking down. Mm-hmm. So we've got the camera, um, we've got Maybe about so that is called a closed set. Whenever you do anything that is um, naked, nude, anything that uh, is uh, needs some privacy, um, we close the set. So most people walk out, and you've only got essential crew in there. So that would be like your director, um, your. Uh, I think it's continuity person who makes sure that everything is the same way each time, your focus puller, mm-hmm. your camera, your first AD, he stayed outside. Um, so it was about six or seven people on set and then Julie and myself. Um, completely naked, pretty much. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm I'm quite a shy guy. <laughs> so here's the thing. Okay, so let's put a pin in that part. Let's put a pin. So we're, we're, that's where we are. But prior to that, Louise, our director, like I said, is an older lesbian and is quite shy herself and prude when it comes to prudish when it comes to actually the 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 choreography of the sex mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> so, and again, I'm super shy. So it started off in like little levels. But Julia and Brett both went to NIDA, which is like the top school in in Sydney acting class. Like Mel Gibson went there, Kate Blanchett went there, uh, Nicole Kidman, like all these greats. Um, Brett and Julia both went to NIDA as well. So they're so used to getting their kit off. It's like second nature to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we started off. Oh, mind you, do you did you know that the, the entire choreography of the sex scene was actually Brett's idea? It no. was Brett was the one who choreographed the entire sex scene and Louise would be like, yep, yep, cool. And then, you know. <laughs> 
So we had Brett like there to help with, no, this looks good and we do that. And we do that together and we did that obviously fully clothed first. So it Mm -hmm. is, it's like a choreography, a set scene, uh, a choreography dance scene like. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, it's beats and it's moments and like, okay, so then we'll go here and then your hand will go there and then no, you tilt her that way. It's like that. Um, And also the same thing with walking down the corridor as well. Okay, we'll Mm -hmm. go there and then for a bit and then turn her around and like look at her, you know. Um, obviously when we're shooting, everything's so much different. Like, I don't remember at what point we actually kissed, but I just remember being like bright red when we had to. And, and, but Julia is such like, she was such a wonderful scene partner and such a, like, I was so lucky to have both Brett and Julia as my, like both my people there to help right. me with this film. Um, so that was the sex scene. And also being that it was 115 degrees, the camera stopped working at some point because it got oh too goodness, hot. Um, my makeup was running down my back and was like staining the bed, like the bed sheets as well. Um, so there was that scene and not at, not, I mean, I'm so glad it turned out as beautiful as it did because we almost lost that scene. Oh, and then also on top of that, we had to shoot the scene, not in the actual ranch house. So the corridor you see us walking down and kissing yeah. is a completely different corridor to the bedroom that we end up in. That bedroom was in someone else's house because <laughs> The people who owned the ranch didn't want lesbians doing a sex scene in their house. So we almost lost oh that scene and actually had to, on an, like on the fly, find someone else's house that we could then dress up and make look like the bedroom, like make sure that it was like. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then the, the party scene, that was just. I don't really remember that one except that the entire time, like it was, that suit is hot. Like I was wearing that the entire time, making out in that, like that was fun as well. Um, I don't really remember that scene as much because it just felt like, I just remember that day we had one or two days to shoot in that nightclub. That nightclub was like in the heart of Sydney. It was mm-hmm. uh, just very busy. Um, and then, you know, that point where where E leaps over the bar and lands mm-hmm. on the ground. Mm-hmm. I did that so many f- times that day. Like my quads and f- and everything was so sore for days afterwards because I I actually would leap off and because, you know, I'm that kind of person that I would do make sure it looks the same every time. You do your own <laughs> stunts. Look at that. <laughs> so that's the sex scene. Wow. Z- <laughs> yeah, right. oh. thanks for taking me down that path again <laughs> hey well i'm just sitting here going you know you you had mentioned that you almost lost this film more times you know so do you want to go into depth with that i mean because i know times have supposedly changed but let's be honest they really haven't no and also being that it's an independent film in particular like I remember was the cater. We lost catering at some point because they were just so bad. And here's the thing: if you don't feed your crew, like people get narky. Like hangry is a real thing. Um, so we had to change catering halfway through. Um, it was it was interesting being a lesbian film. Th- of like we did have to actually 
we were turned down a couple of times, I'm pretty sure if I remember Louise saying, because of the content of our film, like some people just wouldn't help. Um, I don't know the full everything, but it was just, it was just one after another. But hey, what a f- film. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Like it's full of cliches and it's full of loopholes and all sorts of but it's so much fun. <laughs> it was truthfully, I mean, like I, I was telling you, it was one of the first ones that I actually found on Netflix when I was actually looking for films of representation. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad it was made because there's only so many Xena and Gabrielle episodes I can watch before I was like losing my mind. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> but anyway, bring, bring it back to um, the, the film, you know, the character E was extremely complex. And, and see, this was actually a question that my wife kept bringing up. Um, she has this sexy aura, right? She has this self-assuredness, this badassness that she exudes. But yet, you know, when you get her alone, she's in the closet. She's hiding, you know, culturally, all of the stuff. You know, how did you, you know, approach that? Did you bring anything from your personal life into that? Uh, first of all, yes, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of my characters have have splices of myself in them I think that's the only way for I mean that's the only way that I can tell my stories is if I have splices of myself in there I kind of see my characters as um what I would be like in a parallel universe in a way um I do find myself when I play a character that I somehow am mirroring their emotional um, journey in my own life as well. And it felt very similar in ways with E that I was doing that in myself. I mean, it wasn't exactly to the point, like I, you know, not in the closet and blah, 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 but Mm -hmm. the emotional journey felt very similar. So I think it's also, I mean, on top of that, as well as being able to bring in my own part, being in being in issues and being able to play how we did play and rehearse, like, like, okay, for example, being in, in that costume, I actually had to be specifically measured for that costume. So I actually had someone sew it pretty much on me. Um, and being able to like having to stand there, I could imagine myself as E having to do that same thing. Like she would have had to stand there and be sewn into this suit. And like, what would that have felt? And what would she have been doing during that time? Um, what would be happening in her life? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the whole, you know, you said that E seems very self-assured and confident. And I mean, a lot of that is, I mean, we find out that she's not really, it's a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a lot of, um, uh, wearing a mask to to hide what's really going on inside, and I think as humans we all do that a lot. Uh, so yeah. that itself would not be too far for me to be able to do. And also, I mean, what God, seven years ago again, seven years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thirty, so thirty is like so much was happening during that time as well, and so much was still yet to happen during that time. E actually. It was because of E and actually, uh, here's the truth of it. 
I remember it was because of being in E's shoes and actually going through what she went through and the realization at the end of the journey as to actually who she is. If you strip away that the DJ and if you strip away that she's lying to her parents and if you strip away the parts that she has been faced, like has put in front of her to hide who she really is, and suddenly she's actually who she really is, then you can't hide anymore. And I remember right. once I got to that point with E where I stripped away her masks and she was was just there vulnerable and open like that was really the beginning of my own um stripping away of my own journey um so i think it was more because of e now that i think about it that i was able to delve into my own stuff i i mean for me like when when seeing you in the matador outfit right um in bullfighting matador baits and often kills the bull right mm-hmm. um it it felt like, and I don't know if you felt this way too, is that it was a metaphor for your for your character slaying or to break free from the Johnny character, right, holding you back, or even from your own fear or the character's fear of coming out. Mm-hmm. So that's that's actually you know one of the the things that kept sticking in my in my mind that mm. oh there's a lot of different Easter eggs in here. In this movie. Yeah, and to be honest, that's the first time I've ever even thought about that Easter egg. <laughs> and that is so true, though. That is absolutely so true and on point. Wow. You look really great in that outfit, by the way. Just <laughs> say that. <laughs> it's in my closet. I actually brought it back from Adelaide, obviously, because you saw it at Klexicon, because yeah. I'm like, I have to. So now and then I look at it, I'm like, fun. Yeah, There you it's go. Pretty, it's pretty. It's mine now. It's, I got to keep it. It's great. Nice. Well, they did have to sew you into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one else could. <laughs> All right. So, like you were talking about the chemistry between you and, and your co-stars. Mm-hmm. In the car with you and, and Brett, there's some of the funniest scenes in the entire film. So, you know, I know you kind of touched a little bit on what it was like working with them, but what was it like? Like, you're, you're mentioning the fear of the camera, which I can just can't even imagine, honestly. But was there anything else that like was going on? Like, were there any like little hidden things or fun stories that you have that happened between the two of you in the driving <laughs> sections? A lot of those scenes were actually ad libbed. Like, Brett is he he would just say things that I would not at all expect, and I would just answer as e as though it was real. Like, a lot of everything <laughs> you see is actually us just <laughs> playing. <laughs> It oh, was awesome. oh, we spent a lot of time in that car in, in that car together. Um there is one and it's it's a deep thing. Like there is one thing that I remember so so clearly. Um we were we were on a road trip. I can't remember at what point in the in the shooting we were where we were on our were we on our way back from Trundle? I can't remember. But I remember I was in the car with Brett and I was I was acting a little bit like a having a bit of a tantrum to be honest. Um, things got a little bit overwhelming. Obviously, I felt comfortable with Brett because he's like a he's my best friend in the film. But also, we got pretty close as well. Like all mm-hmm. three of us got pretty close. Um, and I remember Brett just turning to me and just being like, "You need to like just." pull your finger out and know that you have the lead. Like, obviously, this, this is – I'm ad-libbing. I can't quite remember mm-hmm. his words fully, but it was just pretty much along the lines of you have such a great opportunity here to actually prove yourself as an actor and to actually get this job and to do it and, like, 
to carry this film and you have all the support. And I just remember like, it was such a humbling moment to have someone that I care about so deeply give me some really harsh truths, but to know that I was safe, even though what he was saying was really hard. And I just remember from that moment being like, so thankful and so grateful that I'd found myself in this path with this person, with these people um, showing me like actually how to do this. And so I, I definitely owe a lot of my um, how to be on set professionally. Like, I mean, I was doing pretty well before that anyway, but you know, just to, just to have someone on your side and just be like, like you're doing good and you're doing great, mm-hmm. but also, this is how it is. Like, this is what you're choosing choosing to be. Right. Yeah. And f- just do it. Take the good oh. with the bad. Take the good with the bad. Cause, exactly. Because there is always good and bad. Um, yeah. Just trying to remember, like like I said, it was just trying to remember all the other little things that we did. We would just drive and they just run the camera because no one could be in there. Did we have the sound guy in the back crunched down? We had to oh have had the goodness. sound guy in the back as well because we would have had that and then we also would have had our mics or was it just us? I can't remember. But, like, they wouldn't know what footage they were getting and it would just be Brett and I running our mouths <laughs> in the car by ourselves. <laughs> so they wouldn't know until they watched the dailies and be yeah. like, oh, my God, they did it again. Yeah. Pretty That's much. Awesome. Pretty much. Oh, they're good people. Brett and Julia. And that's the thing as well. It was Julia and I had to do because for Louise, chemistry was is paramount. If yeah. your leads aren't, if you don't believe that they're actually in love, then why would you believe that story? And why would you love these two? Um, and I, <laughs> I remember after I got the, the the role, we had to audition the Julias. I don't remember any of the other people that came in. I just remember Julia and I remember her coming in. She's really tall, by the way. Can you tell in the film that she's really tall? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Be- Julia. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sheila, what were you going to say? <laughs> no, I was going to say because it, it kind of reminded me of me and Kimberly because I'm 5'2", <laughs> she's 5'9". It's like, oh, look at that. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember Julia coming in and when she had to stand next to me to have our photos, she was like doing this whole leaning down and recognizing that I was a fair bit shorter and like she didn't want her to not get the job because she was so much taller. And I recognized that and I will like stand straight and tall. (laughs) But it was like instant. We instantly had that chemistry connection. Like as soon as she walked in, I was like, I like you. You're such a wonderful person person like straight away we gelled we rehearsals with us three so brett and julia actually knew each other before this actually it was brett who brought julia on and julia actually read for and auditioned for trish a couple of years before i even got the role of e so all about e has been in the going and brett has been uh keyed for matt since well before that, he actually had to <laughs> dye his hair red about three or four times during the shooting. And, oh, wow. and he put on 12 kilos. Like he actually put on weight to play this role. Wow. And he's not Irish in real life. He's from Tassie. He's from Tasmania. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got like more of an Australian accent than I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, he played Irish very well. Yes, he did. 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> that part, that part with the where we're in the car together before you meet my parents. Yeah. All that was at like most of that was ad libs. He was just like, "What about now? Do oh I look straight? What about now?" I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> I know. I was cracking up with that. I was like, "Oh my god." We were dying. That's, no matter how yeah. many times I see it, that is one of my favorite scenes. Like all the all of Brett is just that's just him. Since we are coming to the end of our time here, um, what is the one takeaway that you want audiences to come away with from watching this film? I think what I want to take away whenever I watch anything on TV is that want and need to know that I'm not alone, and I think. Granted, E is a singular person that would have very similar alignments with people out in the world with, you know, how she might still be in the closet, how she might live her life. Obviously, it's not going to be the same, but there are definitely similarities. And I think, and also with the other characters, like with with Matt and Trish and even the pilot like every every character whatever you watch you can always see yourself but when it comes to the main storyline i think i just want people to know to have hope because hope is a big thing right now especially in this yep. world um mm-hmm. that things will get better and you know that that they're not alone mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's what i want to if it's more about you know the actual film and the storyline itself i think being true to oneself and actually I'm a big follower of, of listening to my heart and following my heart. I don't know what else to do other than that. And I think that that is a really important thing that if you're not happy or if, if, if you're not being true to yourself, then maybe it's time to just take a step back and look at how your life could be, how maybe you want your life to be and how that could be and, and take away from that, that you can, and you have the power and the strength to do that. Yeah. And not alone. You have friends. There's yes. people yes. in your life as well. Yeah, I think that's the takeaway. Awesome. Very cool. So, well, what what is coming up next for you, Mandala? Like, I, with this COVID stuff? <sighs> um, Dating in Place is actually going to be released on November the 1st. So that is with Marina Rice Bader as the director. And Yaz from One More Lesbian um, is actually the lead. Plays my big sister, actually, in that. I play Denali, a med student. Um, okay. And there are four actors, four characters in total. It is queer, duh. Um, and it's just like, <laughs> what what is dating in this world of COVID? Um, so I am super excited for that one to come out just because – I have no idea what my fellow actors shot because we were we had to zoom um, it in. So it was pretty oh, much wow. the director was on Zoom and whoever we were doing our lines with, and we did the lighting and the camera and the focus and everything. Wow. So yeah. I'm excited to see what that looks like coming out. So November the 1st. I actually have to do some promo videos today for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that is coming out. What else is? Where is that going to be um, available? Available. I think it's going to be Reverie TV. You can binge watch the first of the first five episodes um, at watch.reverie.tv forward slash OML on the first of November. 
All right. So just can you do us a favor and just shoot off your social medias again? That way everybody can follow you and, and keep tabs on your Instagram because I love your Instagram with your tattooing and your artistry oh. and it's amazing. And Thank the you. motorcycle is really sexy. Uh, isn't she? She's just sat out there right now. Ugh, ugh, I need to work on her actually. Um, um, it's at Twisted Rose, T-W-I-I-S-T-E-D, Rose on Instagrams and Twitters. I don't really use Facebook anymore. I got rid of it. I couldn't handle I, the negative on it. Ugh, I think I want to, but then Messenger is like just easy to catch up with people back home and in Australia. Anyway. Thanks again, Mandala, for coming on to the show and spending a few moments with us to reminisce all about E. It was really fun. The scenes. <laughs> it was so much fun. We got behind the scenes stuff. Yes, yes, we did. I like it's pretty cool. I mean, I'm trying to think of all. There are so many behind the scenes things that happened. It was crazy. Did we have a snake? There was a snake. Absolutely. <laughs> snake that was like the in the barn. In the barn that they had to get rid of a brown <laughs> oh snake. God. Brown snakes are like the most poison. One of the most poisoned snakes, and it was in the barn that they had, that we were shooting in the next day. Oh boy. Yeah, I th- between that and spiders, you kind of just lost me. So you'll never come to Australia then, huh? Well, see, I no, want to go will. to Australia. I really do because the diving is amazing. Oh. And I'll be in a water with a great white shark before I'm on land with a spider. I don't know why. <laughs> Logic! <laughs> right? I've lived in Australia for 33 years and I've never been bitten by any of those spiders. See? But they're It'll big. be fine. It'll be fine. We'll go visit. It'll be fine. Yeah. I'll take you for a tour. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. We're so grateful to Mandala for coming onto the show again, indulging us during our month of Mandala, and for being so generous with her time. She gave us so many insights into making this film. Yeah, she definitely did. More than I truthfully anticipated. Mm. But I really liked how she recounted driving the tractor and how she actually taught Julia how to drive it. Yeah. Because it came off extremely natural. And truthfully, if I was driving it, I probably would have driven over a lot of stuff by accident because I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you would. It looks so so fun to do that, too. Yeah. But I was also seriously impressed that, you know, she, she knew how to play the flute and that she actually learned how to play the clarinet, because even though they're similar instruments, it's very different. Um, and so, you know, that made it even more authentic when they actually shot those those scenes. Truthfully, it's, it's extremely incredible how hyper-focused she is that she could pick it up so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, same with guitar. Like, I'm, I'm trying to learn guitar, and I know how difficult it is. And Mandala just focuses and, and gets it done. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's incredible amazing. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so folks, you really, you want to watch All About E again to replay the scenes we've discussed. And if you're looking for fun, uplifting film, again, check it out on Hulu, please. Yes. And if you want to catch Mandala's latest project, uh, called Dating in Place, it is now available to watch on watch.reverie.tv forward slash OML. And in case you're out running or walking the dog while listening to us, we've got you covered because we will have that link on our show notes page. So that is our show for today, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening to this podcast on your smartphone, be sure to hit that little subscribe button. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Really? It's been a while. (laughs) Hit the subscribe button. If you do have a moment, please leave us a review. Help us out. Let us know what we're doing, what we can improve on. And for those of you stateside, we just wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Um, one of the things we are extremely thankful for is for every single one of you out there listening to us, you know, 
bi-weekly, wherever you listen to us, I'm babbling, but you get the point. Every single one of you has brought joy to our lives this year in a really wonky, wacky dumpster fire of a year. Yeah. So thank you, whether you're stateside, international, wherever, be safe. We, we appreciate it. And please wear your masks. Yes. And so until next time, be kind and remember, love is love. No matter who you are or where you're from, you deserve to be happy and share a life with the person you love.